Welcome to Conversations on Wealth, hosted by Richardson Wealth, a podcast dedicated to helping Canadians navigate the complexities of your wealth with a multidimensional approach to planning and wealth management. I'm Sarah Widmeyer, Senior Vice President and Head of Wealth Strategies at Richardson Wealth, and today we're discussing insurance for high net worth investors. What has become increasingly clear is that clients are looking to simplify and enjoy their lives. We know that a complete wealth plan will support them in doing so. And although it might not be commonly known, an insurance strategy and solutions can be a key part of that strategy. Joining me today is Jason Middleton, an estate and insurance advisor here at Richardson Wealth. Welcome, Jason. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Jason, I think it's safe to say that many people have had a less than favorable experience with insurance, in part as it can be confusing and it touches on tough subjects to face such as illness or death. Proper insurance coverage is very important, of course, but perhaps what is sometimes overlooked by affluent Canadians is how insurance can help build, protect, and pass on wealth. Let's start with the basics life insurance. It often has a negative connotation for people. Why do you think that is, Jason? That's a big subject. (laughs) There's a lot of things (laughs) built into there. Um, I think the first one is insurance is something that's sold. People don't tend to like to be sold something. So from our perspective, um, it's tying it to a need or an objective, creating that understanding and educating clients so they can understand how it's going to help them get further ahead. I always use an example of my wife. She's a mortgage broker. And we kind of joke, she puts people into hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt, and at the end of it, they thank her. And the, <laughs> the reason is that she's given them a means to accomplish a goal, which is buy that family home. So there's the emotions that are surrounding it. So it's really important from our perspective that we really understand our client's objectives, and then you can create that understanding, which then ties it to it. So they don't feel like they're being sold. Because if they don't have the understanding, they're just going to look at it like an expense. And right. an expense is, has a negative connotation to it. So we really try and tie it to a goal, tie it to an objective, and then they can look at it like an asset, just like any other. And okay. It just becomes a tool. Okay. So permanent life insurance policies that have an investment component, like I guess building an asset, can help you grow your wealth on a tax-deferred basis. Can you explain how this works? Absolutely. So unlike term insurance, which is temporary in nature, where you're paying a premium, it's simply an expense, you're not building up any value, a permanent policy has essentially what I call a premium reserve account. Essentially, it's a place where clients can put money to pay future premiums on their life insurance benefits. So when someone dies, the estate or the corporation gets that benefit. However, you can over-deposit or put extra money or invest it into that account. And that account, because it's inside of an insurance policy, is tax-exempt. Okay. So this is extremely valuable for people in the top marginal tax bracket or inside of corporations because it allows them to take retained earnings or extra money and accumulate it on a tax-sheltered basis. And at the end, that will pay out tax-free out to the estate. So why is it tax-sheltered? So we've got RSPs, we've got TIFSAs. Why this just is? Is it some benefit tied to the insurance? So insurance has a pretty strong lobby group, but it's, it's interesting because the tax-free nature of insurance is not a scheme, it's not an opinion, it's actually written to the Income Tax Act. Section 140 of the Income Tax Act deals with insurance. So okay. um, it's a pretty interesting product. 
it just is what it is. That's always been the case with insurance policies. Yeah. I'm thinking about interest rates right now. So interest rates are going up, which should mean, I think, that dividend rates in the insurance, so the investment return that people are earning on that excess cash is probably going to rise in, in this type of environment. I think we're going to see a little bit of compression, but I think over the long term, yes, I think over the next five to 10 years, as interest rates rise, these policies will do better. So the nice thing is the planning that we're doing now, hopefully we're doing that planning at a low watermark, i.e. we're setting our clients' expectations and we'll hopefully overachieve them. But again, Insurance isn't a short-term vehicle. No. It's it's the longest-term vehicle you can possibly buy. So right. if we tie it to that ultimate objective, we're not looking at the performance five years out or 10 years out. We're looking 20, 30, 40, 50 years out. Right. What's it going to do for the estate? So that's really the primary driver and the primary value to insurance is that tax-free transfer of wealth between generations, which is a big concern among wealthy individuals and our clients because they have enough for themselves. Right. Right. Prior to death, can you use that money? Is it accessible? And then, you know, you asked why is there a negative connotation to insurance? I could probably should have tied it back to that is that people look at it because they don't understand it. They're sort of reluctant, they have a closed mind. They look at that money as an expense or it's gone and it's mm-hmm. not accessible. And that's just not the case with permanent insurance. As you're building up equity or value, kind of like building up equity or value in your home, it's accessible. So inside that permanent insurance policy, and depending on the type, there's different access points, you can access it in many different ways. It's just like a non-registered account you'd have at Richardson. It just happens to be housed inside the insurance policy. And because it's housed inside the insurance policy, it, that's what gives it its tax-exempt nature. Okay. Right. And so you can take it out on a tax-exempt basis? There's a bunch of different ways to access it. You know, you can take a direct withdrawal and just pay tax. Okay. Just like you would at a similar to an RSP or non-registered account. You can borrow against it, similar to, you know, setting up a line of credit against your home. You know, I always say to clients, if you want to understand the risk profile of an asset, just ask a bank what they're going to lend against it. Yeah. You know, a bank will lend you, you know, 60% against your margin account if it's in equities, I guess. They'll lend you 80 85% of your home value without insurance, you know, a bank will lend 90 to 95% of the cash value of an insurance policy because it's very stable to them. Oh, wow. Right? Okay. What happens when a life insurance policy becomes an unfortunate reality? So what happens at the time of a loved one's passing? <laughs> Obviously, unfortunately, we've had to pay a fair amount of claims in my career which is always a sad time. But the reality is that's what it's there for. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's part of also why there's a negative connotation to insurance because it's an intangible asset. It's not something you can hold, mm-hmm. right? You're essentially selling a promise by a company to pay amount of money way in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think people get nervous about that. But the reality is the life insurance codes aren't like, it's not like travel insurance where they're fighting claims or you know disability insurance or car insurance. It's really not the case. They're in this business to pay claims. I know it sounds a bit cheesy, but they really are. I think the stat that Manulife put out in 2014 is they paid 99.95% of all claims submitted. Wow. It's a phenomenal amount. Yeah. So changing gears then for a moment. So we've touched on taxes. How can insurance create efficiencies? For example, business owners, including doctors, lawyers, other professionals, they can incorporate their practice. One of the ways to build wealth is to use corporately held life insurance. Can you explain how that works? Yeah, I mean, there's been a huge amount of wealth created in this country over the past 
15, 20, 25 years. And I think that's a part of that's a direct correlation to the amount of people that can incorporate. Like you said, doctors, lawyers, mm-hmm. architects, real estate professionals, everybody's incorporating now. And I always look at money kind of like a river. It follows the path of least resistance. So for money uh, or capital, part of that resistance is taxation. So we've created, we, you know, the government's created a system, a tax system that incentivizes people to incorporate. So, you know, if someone could pay 50% personal tax versus 12% corporate tax and be left with 88 cent dollars, of course, they're going to try and only pay 12%. So this causes massive swelling of, of wealth inside of a corporation. But if you look at what the government has done over the past, you know, decade, it's trying to equalize or erode that value by changing the way passive assets, investment assets are taxed inside of a corporation. Right. And I think, I don't know if clients have run the numbers and really understand what the back-end pain of that tax is going to feel like, which is why it's so important in our business to work with the advisor and the wealth planning team to really put a plan together so the client can see the runway and see what that's going to be like and gives them context to make a decision. But really, we can take, so the original question was, how does insurance fit into that? And it takes that deferral that you've gotten by incorporating, and you can essentially spread that deferral out to death and ultimately pass that wealth on tax-free. So you can take that deferral essentially and make a portion of it permanent, which is really attractive from a planning perspective when you need capital in the estate or you want to pass wealth on. Mm -hmm. I heard uh, one time, it's like with insurance, you're buying dollars, 100 cent dollars for pennies on the dollar. So instead of paying the tax man or the tax deferral 100 cents on the dollar, with insurance and funding the tax liability, you're you're essentially buying those dollars on sale. You're buying them for pennies. And that really kind of, as you can tell, it stayed in my brain and it made sense to me. What people don't realize is that you're essentially, by incorporating, the government's just giving you a deferral. They're letting you, they're letting you use that tax money that you otherwise would have had to pay if you don't personally, and they're letting you invest it yeah. and earn money on it. And you're, you're going to recoup that. They're going to recoup that at the end of the day. And if you look at all the changes they've made over the past decade, it's just slowly trying to squeeze that money out of the corporation yeah. into their hands. I mean, I find the best way, um, and I eat my own cooking, so this is something that I've done for my family. The best way to really understand the value of how insurance can accomplish an objective is to sort of go through an example. And, and I'll share what my wife and I have done. You know, I was incorporated for many, many years and we earned money and we're mid-40s. And I find when you go through the planning process with clients, the math is the most important, but there's this relationship dynamic that happens with clients. You know, one person wants to achieve one thing, one one person wants to have to achieve the other. So our job as planners is to try and find solutions that meet both of their objectives. Right. So, you know, one of my objectives with the kids is I want to make sure they have something. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't want to leave them so much that they can do nothing, but I want to leave them enough that they can do whatever they want to do. If Sophie wants to be a yoga teacher, she can be a yoga teacher. (laughs) She doesn't need to worry. If she wants to work at Tim Hortons, she can work at Tim Hortons. (laughs) (laughs) Sophie, both are are great options. Yeah, but so that she doesn't have to worry about financially, her financial well-being long-term. I understand, yeah. But my wife really wants to just, she's more of a, you know, they can fend for themselves. So how do you bridge that gap? Mm-hmm. And so one of the ways is then, you know, to accomplish my objective, I'd say, well, I, what assets am I going to leave them? Right. right? There's a cost. You know, right. that money is finite. So my job, or what I was looking at, is say, how can I use the least amount of my capital to achieve that objective? So therefore, there's the most amount of capital left in the bucket to achieve Dana's objective. And what we settled on was 
corporately owned insurance. Mm-hmm. So we've allocated a percentage, you know, 1% annually of our corporate non-registered portfolio into an insurance policy. So I'm taking 88 cent dollars essentially corporately and I'm turning it into tax, ultimately tax-free dollars for the girls. So I'm using less of my money to achieve what I want to achieve, which then by default, like I said previously, allows more in that bucket for Dana and I to retire and enjoy our lives. So it kind of yeah. ticks off both buckets there. Yeah, fascinating. Jason, this has been a great discussion. Thank you. There's so much more to insurance, especially in terms of your entire wealth plan. Do you have any closing thoughts you'd like to share with us? My advice on closing would be just keep an open mind. We're not trying to sell you something. It's really needs-based planning. Mm -hmm. Where are you going? And insurance is just a tool. Mm -hmm. Insurance is just a tool. That's a great closing. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jason, for joining us and sharing your insights into insurance as a tool to build your wealth. If you'd like to learn more about how insurance strategy and solutions can complement your wealth plan, please reach out to your advisor. Be sure to follow Richardson Wealth on LinkedIn or Facebook for a broad range of information on money planning topics, including this one. Thank you all for listening and be sure to tune in for future episodes and more great advice. 